This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning. Welcome to the business hour here at America's Web Radio. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today the business at hand is the business of healthy, delicious cuisine, the competitive marketplace that restaurants uh, all over the world can be, uh, certainly here in the U.S., And because we're here in Atlanta, Georgia, this is a microcosm, in my opinion, of some of the toughest, most competitive restaurant marketplaces anywhere. Um, I have spent uh, time in a lot of the major markets throughout the U.S. uh, as well as uh, other on other continents, and uh, I have to say that we have a critical mass of really uh, good restaurants uh, and that it's a very tough competitive environment to succeed in. One restaurant that has, uh, I think, hit the ground running is uh, Igialo, the Osteria and Bar in uh, Sandy Springs, uh, adjacent uh, to the city of Atlanta, virtually part of Atlanta. Um, And I think that in large measure that might be because of an advanced reputation of the dynamic duel of chef um, Jamie Adams and general manager Leonardo Mora. do you guys agree that it might be that, uh, well, let's ask you first if you think this is a highly competitive marketplace uh, and if there are any really good restaurants here other than your own, and then do you think you succeeded in part? Uh, or, you know, to this point, did you did you truly feel like you managed to hit the ga- ground running, as I said, um, because of your uh, your reputation? I'll start off there. Uh, yeah, Atlanta's a very competitive and, and strong restaurant market. <coughs> um, and I think one of the reasons for that is that in the beginning, Atlanta became a, a very dynamic convention center. So there were a lot of people coming from all over the country to um, you know meet in Atlanta and also dine. And... Uh, in the 70s, late 70s, you know, the Pano Caritasis came on, on the scene and really lit up the whole whole uh, um, environment for restaurants and raised the bar. And ever since then, you know, it's become a, a magnet for, for people to come from all over the country. We've had New York restaurants come down. We've had California, Texas, you name it. And uh, it became a very fertile ground for restaurants to, to plant their seed and take off. And I think that's probably been going on for many decades, but certainly the last three decades, wouldn't you say, uh, starting with uh, a restaurant that comes to mind that I was introduced to about 35 years ago. Um, I had some friends who thought I should try Panos and Paul's, um, so they took me to uh, Panos and Paul's um, in a very unassuming uh, shopping center in uh, north uh, metro Atlanta, and uh, it was exquisite. Uh, and and in the course of this program, we'll talk a little bit about um, that organization, um, which, in a sense, the two of you are are, are graduates of. Um, you would have been exposed to what I think, from the outside, um, are some of the best uh, restaurant uh, management principles and cooking styles, and and in fact. That restaurant group, um, the Buckhead Life uh, group, um, would have been a part of 
the collection of, of good restaurants um, and uh, and the competitive environment we're, we're, we're talking about. Absolutely. Um, do, do you agree that, that because uh, the two of you have a background, you were at um, what I think was uh, one of the best uh, uh, of the Bucket Life group, uh, Vinny Vidivici, and you were both there for a number of years, and I think that added to the perception that, oh, this place is going to be good because it's Jamie and Leonardo from Vini Vidi Vici. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, a lot of our clientele that we're, you know, entertaining now are our customers at Vini Vidi Vici. Um, <clears throat> and Pano was, you know, very helpful to us and not only just, you know, giving us advice on a personal level, but also, you know, helping broadcast our, our opening. And, uh, you know, we had a solid foundation, and and what he taught us and what that company taught us set us up to succeed where we are in Sandy Springs right now. The, um, again, the uh, Buckhead Life uh, Restaurant Group, uh, and, and I don't want to dwell on it for too, too long, but it it really was a significant part of your, your background um, as an executive chef. And even prior to becoming an executive chef, there are probably some things you learned uh, within that organization. And certainly, Leonardo, you learn, again, what I think are, 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 are the principles of running uh, good restaurants. You can't have two, three, four, five, six... And is it seven or eight? Um, then they're up to ten, or, or because they 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 expand the outside the floor and so on. Oh, that's right, that's right. So they're up to uh, ten, maybe eleven. Uh, you 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 can't get to that number of restaurants and have each of them with its own identity. That's part of to me the the trick is, you know, how do you maintain separate identities? Uh, even in Atlanta, there was Pricci, um, another Italian restaurant, uh, other than Vinny Vidici, um, and it had its own its its own reputation within that uh, that that group of restaurants. Um, I know that there are um, a handful of other luminary chefs. For example, uh, a previous guest on this program uh, was Kevin Rathbun, and Kevin Rathbun went, uh, um, in essence, through the program as well and was also um, a chef uh, with the Buckhead Life Group. Jamie, did you ever uh, have uh, a chance uh, to work with... uh, um, Kevin, did you guys ever oh, get to cook? We're great friends. We do events together pretty often. Um, well, when we work together at the comp- in the company, we we saw each other all the time, and you know, I don't we don't see each other as much these days because we're both pretty busy. But Ke- I've known Kevin for quite a long time, and he's you know he's he's a great chef. He's a really great chef, and he really understands the business uh, aspect of it. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy, and. Uh, well, that was the cool thing about you know a lot of people think this business is very cutthroat. You know that is competition, but at the same time that is uh, uh, plenty of help. You know we went we talked to Kevin. You know what not to do, Kevin, and you know, Kevin sat down with us, talked to us. Uh, guys like Dutt uh, Turbish from Seed, you know, said you know I need to know how to you know get this business plan going. He's like, well, uh, what is your email address? And just out the files that he's worked for a long, long time on it. 
and so did we. Uh, Jerry Claskala. Jerry Claskala, Gary Manny, um, you know, Pano himself helped us out. You know, we used to go there on Saturdays and sit down with him and go over the uh, uh, the layout of the restaurant. And he would say, okay, you know, maybe this is too big, this is too small. Um, there's a, there is so many people that helped us out. It's, um, I almost have a sense that that restaurant group is, is like an extended family. And, and that's true for some restaurants. But the bigger they get, the less, certainly the less family-like they, they get, they, they almost get what I call over-corporatized. But um, it sounds like um, Pano, um, Caritasis of the Bucket Life restaurant group, w- was really supportive and, and that he maybe even feels a little bit like a patriarch that has um, s- spawned some 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 stars. Uh, that, that's very true. He did a, there was a magazine article, I forget the publication, it might have been Atlanta, but um, it was a picture of Pano and 10 or 11 other guys that had been um, chefs or managers in the company that have gone on to ha- have their own, you know, successful companies and restaurants. And, you know, it, it does, you know, it does delight him a great deal to see us succeed and, and the others. And, and you know, he hires people that are going to be, you know, self-driven and, and have the desire to, to be successful, and that's what makes him successful because he knows how to pick the right people. And that's, you know, one thing that we've learned from him. Hire the best. You know, w- one of the subtexts of this program is – listeners find it endlessly fascinating how anybody got to where they are today and i'm curious <clears throat> we don't need to go too far back because we actually will drill down even a little bit later in the program but we've been talking about your years at the bucket life group how did each of you come to um to um discover them or for them to discover you well i'd go back a little further so uh, i i lived in italy between about 1985 and 90 and when I came back to Atlanta I um, I went out and interviewed with a couple of restaurants um, in the first week I was back in the fall of, of 1990 and uh, one was the Ritz Carlton and uh, the other one was the Chef's Cafe and the the third was I wandered into Capriccio which was, you know, the, its iteration prior to be, uh, being renovated into Preachy. And I met Dino La Rosa, um, the chef partner or partner <coughs> manager that Pano had at the time, and Dino passed away last year. Um, and so we hit it off immediately. He's a Italian guy from Genova, and I came, came into his office, you know, a couple of days after being in Italy for five years and hit it off immediately. And he said, I want you to um, make some pasta for Pano tomorrow. And so the next day I come in there, I've got flour and eggs on the table, and he just walks around the corner and he's laughing. He said, I have pasta here you can use to make a pasta dish. I said, well, you said make pasta. And about ten minutes later I was hired. (laughs) That's fantastic. And Um, and that was 1990. In, in essence, um, you, you had a um, a uh, it was a casting call or a, a uh, an audition for Pano, and and um, I don't know how how true this is for some of the other chefs, but I know that uh, Kevin Rathman told a story of Pano uh, asking uh, him to cook um, a 
combination of food when he may have been at Brennan's in Dallas. Is that possible? Is there Brennan's in Dallas? That's entirely possible, yeah. yeah. And he came in, he, he was there for lunch, and he said, just um, fix an array of things um, and um, your favorite things, and uh, that's what he did. And panels, uh, Kevin reported the panel was seemed pretty happy and then he said uh, I'll be back for dinner and, and, and then requested the same thing mm-hmm. uh, sh- you know uh, show me your best uh, stuff and, uh, and and then he got made an offer and uh, I would imagine when you started making pasta is when uh, he became a uh, panel became imp- the early stages of being impressed with you as a chef um, I was going to wait until a little bit later in the show, but we might as well talk about this because it's part of the foundation of the cuisine at Il Giallo, and that is uh, you're learning to make pasta. Um, you you learn essentially, uh, aside from maybe growing up uh, in Italy with a mother who was uh, a good maker of pasta or a grandmother or someone, uh, you uh, learned in one of the best possible ways um, how to make pasta. And we're going to be taking a break here, but when we come back, let's tell the story of... Um, it, it's as if you had several Italian mothers. And, and uh, we'll tell that story. We're here with Jamie Adams and with Leonardo Mora of Il Giallo, Osteria, and Bar here in uh, Atlanta. And we're going to drill down to talk about um, really what goes into uh, creating truly healthy uh, classic contemporary Italian cuisine right after the break. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. 
So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Chef, Executive Chef Jamie Adams and the General Manager of Il Giallo here in Atlanta, Leonardo Mora. And we've been talking about um, their backgrounds. Um, essentially, they have a, a, a pedigree, and they, 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 they may have had um, a skill set that suited them to to run a, a really good restaurant, even without their experience at the Buckhead Life Group here in Atlanta. But we were talking about that because it really was almost like a graduate program uh, in restaurant management, and uh, both an undergraduate and a graduate because it spanned a number of years for you guys. Uh, but then uh, I wanted to talk about uh, Chef Adam's background prior to uh, Atlanta, and there's a couple of things that um, uh, distinguish you from a, a lot of Italian chefs. One of them is that you can make pasta. And just before the break, we were talking about making pasta. Um, tell us about your experience learning to make pasta in Italy. Well, I um, I found this place that... Um I, I didn't find it actually. Um, it, it was, I had heard stories about it for years prior before I ever left for the adventure in Italy. Um, stories from my sister and my parents who had traveled to the Piemonte region of Italy, um, Asti, just north of Alba, <coughs> and they talked about this oasis of luxury in, in the midst of these rolling hillside and vineyards and, and farms. And um, when I first went over there, I realized, oh, daggummit, I probably should have learned to speak Italian before uh, coming over here. So I spent three months in Florence in an intensive language school, and, and then I was able to communicate on the telephone, which was really difficult. The telephone is tough if you don't speak the language very well. Writing um, is a lot easier. So I wrote to them and then called them, and they said, sure, come on, we'd love to have you. And um, before too much longer, I'm you know, st- stuck in the midst of all the all the women, the mom, the grandmother, and the sister, and where I learned to make, they taught me how to make pasta. And before too much longer, I was the guy that was making the dough every day and sheeting it out, and then everybody would gather around and we'd make the agnolotti and the tortelloni and <coughs> sheeting and cutting and stuffing, and it was, it was a blast. It was a daily routine, and uh, learned a lot. They said, come on out and join the staff. Based upon your correspondence, they had a feel for you being a guy who had a passion for cooking. What did you do before that uh, in 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 the area of uh, uh, preparing food? Well, I had I had worked in restaurants since I was twelve years old, <clears throat> and uh, while I had not worked as a chef in any of anywhere that I had been prior, um, I. I was driven by I love to eat. I love to you know I love to cook. But I was I worked for a small company in Atlanta called the Mad Italian <coughs> that was um, at the time 
It was a company that did everything fresh. You know, it was cheesesteaks and homemade stuff, but it was, you know, really, really great hospitality. We'd I have fond anyth- memories of the Mad Italian. We'd do anything for anybody. Um, you know, and they, these guys are still some of my best friends, Lee Tyler and Bob Liberto. And so I did that for a long time, but not. I realized that I wanted to go deeper into the cooking. And um, I did have some connections with, um, like I said, this place, Locanda del Santo Fizio. My sister had been there, and they remembered my sister. And I, when I contacted them, it was not just out of the blue completely to them, but they um, they were very welcoming because I, what I needed is I needed a place to stay also as well as a job. So that was a pretty unique thing that they were able to provide me with a room and um and uh, i worked for free for a while and then they started to pay me I, I didn't even ask them to do that but they started paying me so i uh i can relate to your experience i uh studied at the american university in rome in italy my junior year in college and i really wish that i had studied italian in advance instead I, I i dove into it when i was there and then stumbled around and destroyed the language in several places <laughs> um and and the italians are so warm they're so forgiving they're 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 not really like uh some other uh cultures uh they're that i might bit name northwest of italy a little maybe? bit northwest of italy um <laughs> and uh, uh that uh uh want to correct you all the time the italians would just laugh and then they might correct you but uh, i have uh, uh one experience where i went out uh, for the first time within a couple of days of living at the international student dormitory uh, in rome and i was going to the piazza and i didn't really drink coffee but i had a cappuccino and boom you know i was hooked for the rest right. of my life and i was ordering some uh, uh cheese and getting some fruit because i was going to go down and write some postcards at the uh, vatican at uh, San Pietro, and um, the guy was cutting the cheese, and I noticed that he cut 100 grams, like, boom, like, without even looking, it seemed. And I said, molto bene, and he said, grazie, and I said, uh, mille grazie, and he said, due mille grazie, and I said, uh, tre mille grazie, he said, tre mille grazie, you know, he was just... Three million, th- you know, a thousand thanks, two thousand thanks, three thousand thanks, and he was just, uh, you know, it was introduction to uh, dealing with Italians on the street, and, and it was the best experience, and that's uh, in part why you were there for five years. Is that right? Uh, yeah, just about. It was a few months shy of five years. Yeah. And it must feel um, like more than five years. I mean, I, I, this is a little bit of departure from what we're talking about here, but uh, I know it was really intense. So it must have, you know, five years is uh, four years of undergraduate school and another year of grad, four years of undergraduate, you know, the graduate school. It must have felt like that only more intense. Uh, you know, the restaurant business over there is very intense. Um, you go to work at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, get ready for lunch service, do lunch service, clean up, then maybe go home to your room or apartment um, for an hour or so, come back at 3 or 4, and then you work dinner service the rest of the night. And during the during the truffle season in, in Piemonte at Beppe, it was seven days it was seven days a week. You know, there was we would take each one of us would take a half night off. In other words, we'd go through lunch service and then have the night off because there were that many people coming to eat truffles in the region. But it, it, it's very difficult. It's you know? one of the toughest industry segments uh, in the world, even here in the U.S., mm-hmm. but certainly in Italy, that business of the mezzogiorno where you get to like yeah. take many hours in the middle of the day. No. I don't think you got to do that, did no. you? No. We'd take a small break in the afternoon. Um, 
And then there was, you know, the other side of it is that there was always about three weeks in um, August and January that we didn't work. Um, so that kind of made up for it. And it made it possible for me to do some, a good bit of traveling. And um, we would always have uh, at least one day and a half day off every week. But it was grueling, but fun. It went by like that. Um, I was constantly getting pushed to do new things. You know, the Locanda not only was a restaurant, but it was a hotel and a vineyard and a garden. So I'd, the first three weeks I was there, I was picking cherries, um, uh, you know, in the early in the early spring. Um, they had about 100 cherry trees. And, you know, we did all kind of stuff. We're, we're going to have to have, like, another program dedicated <laughs> to wandering around Italy because I know that I, I left um, Rome uh, as often as I could every weekend, you know, took a little backpack, a couple of changes of underwear, an art history mm-hmm. book or an Italian uh, dictionary, and uh, went off and uh, explored. And uh, it's an incredible place to explore. It truly is like waking up in Disneyland. Uh, I remember feeling that way uh, every day that I was there. I want to turn to Leonardo and, and ask you what your introduction to the Bucket Life Group was. Uh, I know you worked your way up in that organization, but uh, how did you come to pick pick them or them pick you? Uh, actually, uh, it was a friend of mine. I was working at Violette, which is a small French uh, bistro off of uh, Claremont. Another Rose. very good restaurant here. Very yeah, good restaurant. And um, I worked there for probably a couple of years. When I started there, I barely spoke English. <laughs> Guy was very patient, which was a former owner there. And uh, and then a friend of mine said, you know what, there's this new restaurant just opened up. I want you to come and join it. And I said, you know, what what is what does it tell? I said, well, you got a filet fish and all of that. It was kima. And I said, that's very, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I, I, I can do all of that, you know. And... Uh, and he said, no, no, you, you come over. And by the way, you hired. <laughs> like, okay. So he was Greek. So in truth, to be said, yes, I was already hired before I even got there. But I didn't know. And it was very, uh, it was a lot of hard work because I needed to learn, learn their language, which was Greek. The menu was all in Greek. And then you had, you know, Greek words. Plus, I wasn't, you know, learning English at the same time. So herbs were not an easy thing for me to pick up. So I needed to go in the walk-in cooler and, you know, smash them with my fingers and smell them and be like, oh, I know what this is in my own language, which is Portuguese. And I was like, no, okay, I know what this is. So it smells like this. This is what, you know, the flavors are going to be. And uh, so that's how I started at Kima. And then there I did pretty much everything. You, you came from Brazil. Did you come directly to Atlanta? I came directly to Atlanta. And did you have any uh, experience with uh, the food industry uh, in Brazil? No, not at all. So but besides, besides the only experience I had was my aunt. Uh, she's Italian, and uh, she's from Bologna. And she, uh, fun enough, you know, that the concept is making the fresh pasta. What I remember is them fighting in the kitchen. You know, not fighting. Just yeah, yeah, just like, yeah. Hey, duh, no, but a lively Italian kitchen. You know, you think you're gonna it's in a minute they're gonna take out a knife and just stab each other, but that's not the way it went. <laughs> oh, that happened. It better. <laughs> and uh, another story for another time. And uh, so I, you know, I, I I saw many times I went there and with my parents, and uh, I would you know go back in the kitchen and watch them make pasta, and uh, that was my first experience. But in Brazil, I, I actually ran a clothing factory. 
Well, those operations, I'm certain, you know, uh, there are some management principles that carry over from one business and one industry segment to another. And I'm sure you, 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 you learned some things that you carried with you. Um, I know that Kima, speaking of restaurants that managed to maintain an image uh, that is uh, unique, uh, Kima is the premier uh, Greek restaurant uh, in Atlanta. Uh-huh. So the panel succeeded in doing that, uh, in creating, you know, along with uh, Capriccio, which became Pricci, and Vinny Vitivici, and uh, the uh, the Bucket Diner, and uh, the Fish Market. You know, he, he has managed to maintain separate identities for his restaurants, and, and, and he's done that with Kima. Uh, it sounds like you both have great... Um, uh, experiences at some other really good places uh, even before you went to the Bucket Life Group. When we come back, I want to focus on um, the menu at Il Giallo and, and food preparation. Uh, I think listeners are in for a treat. Um, you do things a little bit differently um, and we'll talk about that. We've been talking with Jamie Adams and Leonardo Mora of Il Giallo Osteria and Bar. We'll be right back after this break. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we're here with Jamie Adams, the executive chef at Il Giallo Osteria and Bar, and the general manager of Il Giallo, Leonardo Mora. Um, I was going to save this, but I, I, I think we might as well um, ask it at this point. Um, uh, the name, Il Giallo, um, it's a mysterious name. Mm-hmm. Um, and it literally um, has, um, uh, there's a, a, a literal definition that's, that's closely related. Uh, tell me a little bit about the conversation between the two of you when you picked out that name. Leo can tell this story a lot better than I can. Well, uh, 
the first uh, we we had we ran through several names, and uh, the very first one was uh, Jaco, which is um, chefs. That's how they call Jamie in Piemontese. Am I correct on that? Show? Yeah, Giacomo is my is James in Italian, and in the little place that I lived in at Locano del Santo Fizio, it was Jaco. That was the dialect. Because they couldn't say Jamie, it just didn't come out. So it was Jaku, and that's the short version of Giacomo and, and Piemontese. So we kind of were going uh, towards uh, that route, and then we realized it was very hard to pronounce because it has the umlaut at the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, st- uh, we started working on a different uh, name. And uh, one thing that I wanted to make sure was there was the letter G, because it's like his signature and uh, so you know Giacomo Giacomo so it would be the letter G and uh, he ca- he told me several times you know life is too short to wear a doll collar so he always has like this really bright pants <laughs> chef's pants and bright uh, socks and I say oh cool and uh, for a very long time chef uh, was uh, he's a cyclist and uh, and uh, he supported the Armstrong Foundation so I always saw him with something yellow so I said, you know what? That would be really cool. Uh, you know, I'm going to start looking at colors. I did not know that yellow started with, I did not know yellow started with the letter wow. G. Wow. So I started going through, you know, green, da, da, da. And then suddenly I said, Jalo. I said, that would be a cool uh, a cool name. And we wanted to make sure that it was authentic. You know, was a, a, you know we could have named, you know, uh, Giacomo, the Italian restaurant. We could have named, you know, like everybody else would do it. And it's easy to to get to it but we wanted something that was authentic from the time you got into the door you know before you even got into the door yeah there are several layers of authenticity um to the restaurant uh and it sounds like the name is is one of them it starts there yeah and the fact that it uh, also is connected to a mystery did you yeah. that was just like a plus a little bonus that was a, plus. That was a bonus yeah. uh, also uh, il giallo can refer to the egg yolk uh, the word in Italian for egg yolk is tuorlo, and you know people will go to just straight to giallo, the yellow. So it just made sense, you know. Once, once it, it, it all happened, once the the concept was finalized, but Jamie one day just woke up and said, "I, n- I know what I'm going to do." It has multiple levels. No, 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 no question about it. Uh, the um, the connection between egg yolks and and, and pasta, for example. Um, uh, is just uh, w- one of the the many. So clever, clever, clever name. You know, uh, 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 any good uh, public relations marketing person will tell you that a, a, a clever name goes a long way. Um, and um, uh, you guys have done some uh, some really good things. In fact, you have a, a public relations person, uh, Debbie Rosen, who uh, I think does a great job with you guys. And we probably could dedicate uh, some discussion to your marketing. Uh, in that other program that we do, um, but uh, tip of the hat to uh, uh, Debbie Rosen. We second that motion. We second. My sure. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, um, the um, the menu. Um, you have referred to. Um, well, uh, I'm going to get into uh, the biodynamic and organic wine component of this in a little bit, but uh, the. Uh, the food um, you have a couple of things on the menu uh, there's uh, one signature just the um, um, 
the Agnolotti mm-hmm. uh, is uh, one of my favorites in the times that I've been in there I, I, I get that as an appetizer um, it's just a fantastic dish let's start off talking about that dish well uh, Agnolotti the name and the, and the shape all came from the you know the first place that I worked in Italy you know the the Locondo Santofizio that's what we did you know several times a day so um, <clears throat> it's the small ravioli filled with roast meat that's just the classic way to do that all across Piemonte and different areas have got different blends of meat and um, so we've we do it with roasted duck that we roast on the big green egg and um, it's got a little fontina cheese and a little bechamel in the center and they're just little small squares and uh, packed with flavor and they're made right in front of everybody every single night and you know the the thing that's different about what we're doing is um, the pasta being made during service gives it a level of freshness and, and urgency that's really, really different from anywhere else. And Leo referred to when I had the idea of, you know, what to do. It was, um, I had a lady at Veni Vidivici one night that wanted a pasta that I didn't have. And I said, well, dadgummit, I'm going to make it anyway. And it was butternut squash ravioli. All I had was a raw butternut squash. So I peeled squash, cut it up real small, put it in the fryer, pat it dry, make a filling, and sheet out the dough, and it dawned on me. That's when we need to, we make the pasta during service. It, that's what we, that's what I did when I lived over there. Why, why do we not do that here? Why do we have somebody come in at 7 o'clock in the morning and sheet out all this stuff that we may or may not use, and put it in a refrigerator and wrap it up, and it's like, okay, we make the pasta during service. We start from nothing, end with nothing. And that makes a big difference in the wholesomeness of what we're trying to do. And, and you're you're absolutely, I think, one of the only, if not the only place in Atlanta that does this, and one of the only places that does this in the country. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I have not really seen them making pasta uh, uh, fresh uh, the way you do. Well, there's a few restaurants that you can see their pasta production off and you know, in the corner. And, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like that... A side job that it's not up front and you know personal like ours. Ours is right smack in front of the kitchen, and um, people come up and watch, and you know they're fascinated by it. Um, and it's a it's a bit of a show, and that that's kind of a side side benefit. But the real benefit is the fact that the pasta hasn't been made for very long, and it you know some of the some of the things will go in the refrigerator for a few minutes, but just because we need somewhere to put it until it's ready to go in the water. Um, so that's what we do. I'm going to talk about um, some very s- uh, specific items uh, in addition to the agnolotti uh, uh, that you have on the menu. I mean, you you have... Um, uh, we might as well lay the foundation here for some of the items that we're about to talk uh, about. <coughs> I made a reference to classic contemporary but that's just a term that i'm using because i think you've combined uh classic italian food with certain modern a a certain modern twist that makes your food very healthy i mean there's there's a health component to the food um which i think a lot of people are delightfully surprised to learn about especially after they've tasted the food and they didn't realize oh 
that was prepared in such a way that it's uh, lower in saturated fat or there was some aspect to your preparation, to your recipes. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, how did you come to uh, decide that you would have this additional dimension to the food? Well, that was uh, that was sort of thrust upon me about 14 years ago after getting um, quadruple bypass surgery and being told that you know fat is the enemy of of the diet. Um, and it for about seven years, you know, I I didn't I would eat 60 to 100 grams of fat a day. I was hungry 100 percent of the time. If I was awake, I was hungry. Um, the thinking is starting to change about the role of fat in our diet. Um, and so, uh, you know, the wholesomeness of buying well-sourced food, not not eating enormous mountains of something, but having a balance in the diet. You know, we have a few items that are full on there, some cream and there's some butter. We have a lot of, we have all of our fish dishes are without butter altogether and olive oil based. And, you know, from, you know, the older lens of, you know, fat is the enemy, those are very, very wholesome. But um, the source of our products is something that's very important. Um, all, all of our flour is, is non-GMO, and um, <clears throat> we believe that's a very important aspect of healthy diet is to have food that is the least interfered with as humanly possible. Um, and, you know, having the right portion sizes and having the right things selected and in a balance is the, is the best way to eat wholesomely and healthily and be satisfied. And the portions are, 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 are reasonably good. They're not uh, skimpy. Um, and I think part of the beauty of being able to have a dish that has uh, ample cream and butter mm-hmm. is that you can balance it out with uh, some of the other items that, that we're going to talk about. And, and by the way, um, you do borrow from uh, the, the Piemonte region, which we mentioned, Lombardia, Emilia-Romana, mm-hmm. Tuscany. Uh, you have some coastal uh, region uh, regions reflected in, in, in the menu, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. And, and also there's this other dimension, yet another dimension, is that uh, uh, when it comes to some of the fish and, and, and the food items, you, you have uh, regions uh, that people can learn about that are actually on your walls. Um, I, I thought uh, that was a uh, very... Uh, who came up with that concept? I thought it was clever. Well, you know, all along, um, my goal in whatever iteration our restaurant was going to take place in its early planning stages, I wanted to represent very true, authentic flavors and, and dishes from Italy. Now, that doesn't mean you have to make them in you know in the way that you know in some of the tourist restaurants and over you know sometimes it can be a little overdone but present them in a, in a modern way in a, in a well prepared way in the right portion size and and package them right um, and that's that's what I've always wanted to do is to re- reflect these really true flavors from all the regions that I lived and worked and traveled in when I was in Italy you know, in fact, uh, my experience is that if you get um, one of my favorite dishes, uh, carbon, uh, carbonara, um, and um, you get it in, in a, 
I've learned to stay away from some of the touristy places in Rome and Florence and Venice and what have you, Milan. But if you go to uh, some of the uh, the better restaurants in those cities or Ferrara or uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Verona, you're going to find places that are actually today learning to use a little less butter and a little less cream. E- even the Italians are uh, letting their cuisine evolve. And so what you've done is, in some sense, I think, be a little ahead of the curve. And we're going to talk about those specific items. Uh, we, we, we managed to find these little uh, tangents uh, because there's so many interesting dimensions to what you do at Il Giallo, Osteria, and Bar. And we're going to take a break and come back and talk more with Leonardo Mora and um, Jamie Adams about uh, this really uh, interesting, fascinating restaurant right after this break. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you will be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is Michael Connolly inviting you to listen each Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern to my show, Our Constitution, only on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're talking about a lot of different dimensions to Il Giallo Osteria and Bar, a a restaurant um, here in Metro Atlanta, uh, specifically in Sandy Springs, with Leonardo Mora, the general manager, and Jamie Adams, the executive chef. And we've been talking about um, the regional uh, makeup of some of the the menu items. Um, one thing I don't want to forget to mention is that you know you you put a, a emphasis on on not just things like the pasta, but um, cured meats. You have uh, really tasty cured meats and great cheeses. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Tell me how you how you decide which items. Uh, w- go in the menu? Did you have to undertake that very uh, difficult, disagreeable task of tasting a lot of cured meats and cheeses? Very difficult. It was very difficult. (laughs) Uh, You know, we, um, 
We select some of the items that were very popular at our former place, and uh, we kept them in there, about four or five of them, things that we could not, you know, not have it. Caesar salad, it's a must. Via Parmigiana, you know. Diana uh, uh, Lotti was one of them, and uh, I think those are... Am I, am I missing Well, no, in, in reference to the cured meats, I mean... Um, prosciutto, you know, we get our prosciuttos from Parma. We use an 18-month um, uh, prosciutto of Greci Folzani. Which is the prosciutto capital of the universe. Right, that's true. Although there's people in the in San Daniele might argue with you, but um, and then, you know, there's a lot of um, lot of young people out there making salami you know, locally, and God bless them for their effort. Um, but I, I, I like to use the the guys in New York and California that have been making it for generations that really make great, great stuff. You know, the other the one the other ones will come around, um, but for you know, and we really tried to you know give them a shot, and it just it, it, it was not the same. So we get that we buy from this one company out of um, Virginia, Oli, which is an extraordinary producer of. All kind of cured stuff, from speck to pancetta, soppressata. Tip they had to Oli. Pancetta, yeah. You have uh, some great uh, lunch uh, items. Uh, you have a uh, a panini uh, on ciabatta bread called the uh, quattro formaggi. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Sandwich. It's a it's a grilled cheese sandwich <laughs> with four gr- you know great cheeses: fontina, mozzarella, and we change them up. Asiago. Um, we use the good Fontina from uh, the Valdosta, so it's a little earthy, and and some prosciutto cotto, which in English is ham, um, but it's the cooked it, ham. It's not your average um, uh, ham and cheese <laughs> no, or uh, grilled cheese sandwich. No. It's got uh, four great cheeses. Yeah, uh, and and great Italian and, ham. It's all great it's Italian even. Ham. It's it's the cooked ham on ciabatta, Italian, right? On on ciabatta that we buy from Buckhead Bread. Um. Y- we were talking about pastas, uh, and both on the, the the lunch menu and the dinner menu, you have a combination of tortellinis, tagliatelles, uh, farf, uh, farfalles, and um, uh, you have gnocchi, spaghetti, uh, pappardelles. Um, uh, just just this nice range of of uh, of pastas, and then you combine those with, you know, uh, fontina cheese, gorgonzola cheese, duck, veal, shrimp, chanterelles, uh, black truffles. Um, it, it's really I, I I made a mention prior to the program. Uh, I had uh, said that it would it was like you were in Italian food heaven, and and you picked some great. Ingredients. Um, uh, tell me about um, uh, how you have come up with a twist um, in the actual preparation of some of these pastas, combining them with some of those ingredients that I mentioned. I mean, that is a creative task all in and of itself. Well, I, I you know, I go back to you know looking at the source of them, um, the tagliatelle with the short rib. It's a classic dish from Piemonte. You know that they they braise beef in Barolo, and then they'll serve that, and then the leftovers will go into a little tagliatelle with its own sauce. It's a natural way to to, to do it. Um, the mushrooms and shrimp um, that source is Liguria, where you have 
you have um, mountains that go right up to the water, and um, <clears throat> so there's a lot of mushrooms that are on the um, you know inner part of the, the the territory, and then you've got all the seafood at the coast, and they're very close to one another, and they eat mushrooms and shrimp together, you know, all the time, and that's how I, you know the re- the authentic authentic sources and just put together in a modern way. You have a, a chicken breast alla romano uh, and uh, a vitello alla parmigiana. Um, uh, for people who uh, are, are looking for some of those classic dishes, uh, they're they're going to be able to find it um, only uh, exquisitely prepared and with some of those healthy um, uh, techniques that that you mention. Um, Fish and meat uh, selections, uh, bronzino, roasted sea bass, uh, uh, the North Georgia trout that you're using on the menu. Uh, it's 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 a combination of locally sourced uh, with some of the best imported ingredients. It's just a, a, a very nice balance, and uh, and even things like on your dessert menu, um, the bread pudding. Whose idea was it to include the bread pudding? That was our pastry chefs, uh, and, and she had made a bread pudding for us a while back that was really, really great. Uh, every Christmas would roll around, and she'd do bread pudding with panettone, and um, and then you know she started experiment with um, croissant bread pudding, and that's what we ended up with with a lot of you know great classic Italian flavors. There's a little bit of chocolate. She uses Galliano. Um, she made this really delicious um, sugar galliano sauce um, and it, it's just it's phenomenal and it's killer yeah and she's also uh, our pastry chef for Liv Moldovar she's also responsible for the focaccia bread right she's the one that, so that is all made in house all desserts mm-hmm. all sorbet all of the uh, gelatos they're all made in house Please tell her that I, I at least one customer has had uh, bread pudding all over the UK and a lot of other places, and 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 this is my new standard uh, for uh, bread pudding. <laughs> also, I, I don't want to overlook um, the interior design of your restaurant. Uh, it was a beautiful conversion from what were some pretty nice Harry Norman uh, realty offices um, with uh, a couple of hallways and a reception area and offices and uh, a curved side that is uh, a beautiful uh, wall of windows and just a nice, open, uh, beautiful space. Uh, Tell me about who helped you uh, create this and, and what went into that. Vivian Lee Battery was our interior designer, and uh, uh, her husband kept on telling Chef that we should, you know, use her for the uh, for the design when we're looking for the, the designer. And uh, we've been friends for twenty five plus years. And you're always concerned, you know, how's it going to go? You know, am I going to lose a friendship or right, you know, right? How's it going to go? And she absolutely put her heart and soul into this project. Uh, she was there almost every day, uh, checking up, making sure things were right. Uh, most to the point that she was <laughs> like the general contractor, not only a designer, but a general contractor at the same time. And yeah. her design is very uh, nice and clean, and it's easy to get to it, which a lot of uh, designers sometimes overlook uh, 
the practicality of things and they make things very complicated. You need to change a light bulb, you need to take a wall down. In her case, it's everything is where you see it. It's, it's really a very easy. open space, but there's an intimacy. It's very elegant. Um, it's, um, it's just um, uh, uh, elegant, but not stuffy. Our main goal was to be, uh, even if that's what it states in our business plan, is to be an extension of someone's uh, uh, home. You know, tonight I don't feel like, you know, and I'm not going to get, you know, ripped off. Uh, I want to go somewhere and I'm going to have, you know, a nice dinner or sit at the bar, sit at the lounge, sit at the table. It does not matter. But I want to, it's kind of like being home. And, you know, and your people, um, we, di- we, ha- we didn't get a chance to get into it, but you have some really uh, warm, hospitable, uh, efficient um, servers, bartenders, um, everyone, um, the, the, the um, hospitality staff up front. Uh, you've done a great job, and uh, you know we're going to have to have you come back, get a progress report because you're still relatively young. But I want to thank you both, um, Jamie thank and Leonardo, for taking the time to be on the Business Hour. Thank you for having us. Thank and you, it's a, a real treat. We've been listening to Jamie Adams, uh, the executive chef at Il Giallo Osteria and Bar, Leonardo Mora, the general manager. We've been talking about uh, some great Italian food. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on from 10 to 11 on Fridays. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.